set of these bad boys. What, you want to hear yourself talk? <laughs> I love it. No, I'm just kidding. Alright, so uh, let's, uh, let's get this dang thing started. Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. I'm your host, James Orr, and today I have the honor to be sitting with Joel Turner, the Oracle, <laughs> as his uh, hunting partner calls him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're uh, in Yakult, Washington today at uh, the Western States traditional shoot. Uh, we just came off of one of the courses. I got a shoot with uh, Joel <laughs> and uh, Clay Hayes. Yeah. It, uh, we, we had an awesome time, and I uh, look forward to getting back out there and shoot some more arrows today with these uh, characters. Absolutely. So uh, Joel is a uh, two-time Rocky Mountain Elk Calling Champion. Um, I've had the pleasure of uh, going out and hunting in the elk woods with Joel for four days uh, last year, the first four days of the season. Joel's uh, elk calling is, I mean, sometimes I thought about shooting this guy. <laughs> I'd be sit back in the brush, and I, I was like, is that a bull coming in? I'd look over, and oh, it's Turner again. <laughs> and, and then he'd start cow calling, and, and once again, I'd be like getting duped nonstop. Uh, I would not want to be running around the elk woods um, you know, he he probably wastes a lot of people's time. I I, w- I would imagine. Uh, some sometimes I try not to do that intentionally, but sometimes. So yeah, let's uh, let's dive into uh, elk hunting. I want to talk about Roosevelt elk hunting, uh, Rocky Mountain elk hunting. I know you've hunted several different states. Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear uh, your take on the the difference in hunting these elk in different terrains and right. So, you know, we everybody always asks, is there a difference between Rocky Mountain and Roosevelt elk? And elk or elk, it doesn't really matter where you are. Uh, you know, the Rocky Mountains tend to, the only difference in those two that I find is the night bugling. You know, Rocky Mountain bulls are in more open terrain and they tend to night bugle more, this location bugling, right? And the reason I think they do that is because they're trying to, they have a, a canyon or a valley that they're in, that this particular bull's in, and he is sounding off at night, telling everybody that he's there and he's establishing dominance in that particular valley. The other bull that's around the corner and this other finger or whatever, he'll sound off to that bull, and they kind of keep track of each other all night long. And <clears throat> I don't find that as much in Roosevelt bulls. But other than that, the differences are, I don't even know that there is any difference. But the night bugling is a big thing, and, and it can be, you know, if you're using night bugling for locating these bulls, you know, the Rocky Mountains is a little bit easier to do that with. So, Is the night bugling a, a big part of your strategy when hunting elk? Well, the night bugling is just, you know, if people say, well, the rut's not on yet or whatever, but are they listening at night, right? Are you up at one o'clock in the morning listening to what's really going on in the elk woods? You know, when those elk know that there's no hunter pressure out there and, you know, is your rut because it's hot or whatever, is it just going on at night or is it just not going on? So it's usually just going on at night. So, you know, I will do, if I can't find elk, I'll be trying to locate bulls at one, two in the morning right, when there's no pressure. So I'm doing that very high-frequency location bugle. And you have to listen to these these bugles that these bulls are doing. Whenever they are doing this night bugling or advertising bugling, location bugling, whatever you want to call it, they're always hitting the ringing tone because that's the one that carries the farthest. So you listen to these bulls, and you'll hear there's not usually a lot of chuckling going on 
because it's not a challenging type call. They'll just, you know, be very high pitched and fairly drawn out, and then that bull will respond, and they just kind of keep track of each other. Because when two herds come together, it's not the best scenario for these herd bulls. So uh, in the Roosevelt woods, you just don't have, it seems like, you know, when you get a particular bull in a canyon, the next bull is usually farther, you know, outside of earshot. So these bulls don't get as concentrated, it seems like. Uh, and the night bugling or location bugling with Roosevelt's is slightly less. We were getting up at 2.30 in the morning mm -hmm. to uh, go locate elk, and um, it, it was raining, mm -hmm. so we didn't we didn't seem to locate very many, but, I mean, what we called in a bull the first first try. Right. He just came rushing down the road. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you're, when you're doing location bugling, you have to be careful because, you know, you don't want to be doing sounds that are going to call that bull in. So that's why you got to kind of stick with your your high-frequency bugles. Once it gets daylight, then you can start to do throw cow calls into your location sequence as well just in case that bull is close enough for him to come in. So before it gets light, you got to be really careful with the sounds that you're making because they come in right away. And if you're blowing a cow call, you know. So explain to us more about the location bugle and maybe uh, do one and, and let us know, you know, demonstrate that for us and, okay. and explain to us uh, this high frequency that you're talking about. and, and uh So the frequency, again, is the ringing tone. And what happens in the call itself, and this can only really be done with horizontal reed systems, like a mouth reed or a, like a, a berry thunder bugle is another one that uses a horizontal reed system, one where you're not blowing air perpendicular to the reed, but you're blowing air oh. parallel to the reed. Okay. Because it has to go into a different vibration range. So you'll hear in most bugles uh, this pitch or tone, and when you hear the like the normal elk tone, that reed is vibrating up and down. But when it goes into the ringing tone, it's a total change in vibration and actually goes into a figure eight undulation. Okay. So... That doesn't happen if you're blowing perpendicular against the call. Like a Primo's blue mouth yeah, or something like right. that. So right. that's where you get this limit of tone with those vertical type calls. So, again, it's the ringing frequency. It's nothing, you know, there's not a whole bunch of chuckling in it or anything like that. You just got to hit the frequency that makes your ears ring. So I'll do one for you here. Yeah, my uh, ears are ringing. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how that sound in the microphone, but you'll hear it's something that you have to find in your bugle. It's not something that you can just go right into because the reed has to start, right? So it starts into the vibration, and then you pick up that tongue pressure on your mouth reed until you feel, and you'll you'll feel the vibration change in the reed. And that's when you're hitting that ringing frequency. So once you find the ringing frequency in the bugle, just send it out over as much ground as you can, right? So you're doing right. this from as high of a, of a point as you can and covering as much ground as you can. So I don't, you know, I, I do all of my basically scouting in the morning with my call. If I don't get a bull to bugle back to me, I don't go down into that timber patch. Yes, so. I, I, I learned that while hunting with you. Yeah. Uh, the first time I learned about this location bugling, you'd given a, it was an elk calling seminar on a Washington hunting DVD on uh -huh. the rear, rear end of the video. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I 
when I learned that, I took that out into the elk woods, and mm-hmm. it was automatic. It was yeah. like, okay, here we go. Uh, you you hit that tone, right? They fire back. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not threatening that bull. You're doing this. Hey, I'm over here, and he'll call back and say, Hey, I'm over here. Stay out of my canyon, right? Right. That's why they're bugling back to you. And, you know, sometimes if you get a bull to do that, he'll chuckle back to you. But you got to understand that chuckles are bull-to-bull communications, and that's going to be a very important thing here in just a second. Okay. that's that. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into that. Yeah. So with uh, the location bugle, you are using it at night, but you're going to use that anytime you are trying to get one on the hook. Right. Anytime that I think that I'm far enough away from them. Like if I've, if I've got a bull to bugle to me from a distance – I'm not going to get closer to him and do that again. Right. Because this is a bugle that basically keeps bulls away. Right. Right? I'm over here. You stay over there. Right? So if you were to move closer to that bull and then do another location bugle, that's not natural. Right. Right? Because now you're just another bull that's coming closer to him and you're doing a location bugle. Yeah. He knows. That's not how nature works. right? Right. That bull, if he was coming towards that other herd, would change his bugle into a a challenge or a bull calling cow's bugle or whatever his specific purpose was for that. So don't get too close in there and do that. So, you know, if you are in the mix, like if you're down in the timber patch where he bugled from, and let's say you found that bull didn't call him in or whatever, and you're off trying to get another bull to bugle back to you, there are other ways to get a bull to locate other than doing location bugles. So so that's got to be a distinct difference, though, with Rocky Mountain Elk versus Roosevelt because of the thick, thick brush being able to locate and be able to hear them locate back. Right. Um, there, there's There's got to be a different uh, uh, yardage. Yeah, you can't hear the Roosevelts from very far away, especially when they're in that heavy timber, right? If they're over just over a ridge in that heavy timber, you got to really be listening. And that's a skill in itself, that listening portion, because... You know, when when you were hunting with me, yeah. you would see that I would walk away from you. Yeah, you would be like, all right, I want you 50 yards uh, off this side of the ridge. Right. And then you would put Seth mm-hmm. off the right side of the ridge and just just listen. Close right. your eyes and just listen. That's yep. your job. So that's got, you know, two purposes. One, it gets you away from, away from your hunting partner, right? Because right. people have trouble being completely silent, right? So... You know, everybody's fidgeting with stuff in their pockets or whatever. Well, you might have just missed the last portion of a bugle, right? Right. That you could have got if you weren't rustling a candy wrapper in your pocket or whatever. So uh, getting away from your hunting partners and expanding your your listening is uh, is a skill in itself for sure. So Joel is a uh, two-time Rocky Mountain Elk Calling Champion, and... You listen to him on stage or, or some of uh, his competitors, and it's, it's amazing sounding. You've got all this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But when you go out into the Elk Woods, a lot of that doesn't really apply. I mean, it applies to know, to recognize what these sounds are. Mm-hmm. But your system of calling, you're utilizing very few sounds that, that are right. going to get them into stick bow range. Right. Can you speak to that? So, you know, on the stage, you are doing everything that you know a bull elk does. You're doing lip balls. You're doing chuckling. You're doing hitting, you know, high or low to high and doing all these transitions and all this stuff. Well, 
there are very few calls that are required to actually call in bull elk. So, but if I got up on stage and did my best rendition of a bull calling cow's bugle, that judge is going to go, okay, is that it? That's, it. That's, all, that's all you got. That I got. And, and <laughs> so. we're, we're going to get into the bulls calling cow bugle right. here in a little bit because uh, it's it's a very anticlimactic sound, right? right? But it is one of the most common sounds out there that people miss, and it is the most important sound I think for calling an elk. But you know, on stage you're trying to do all these things, and in the woods it's very specific, situational. This is the sound I'm going to make when I get myself in this particular situation. So, Right. So even the cow calls, I mean, I've heard you make a, 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 a huge variety of cow calls on mm-hmm. stage, but mm-hmm. you limit yourself to just a few calls in the woods for certain situations with that too also. Yeah, and with the cow calling, you know, if you've got a bull, and we'll go into specifically the sequence of how I call in these bulls and, and how I judge what call I'm going to do. But, you know, the cow calling, there's not, again, that many sounds that you need. If a bull is coming into an original, to a cow call that you've done, if he's coming to that sound after you've just done a regular mew to him, you know, you don't need to change it. He's already, he's coming to that sound, but you have to set it up very specifically. And, you know, when you're cow calling these bulls, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but, you know, everybody's trying to call them past the hang-up spot. You know, and to call an elk past the hang-up spot, you've got to be, uh, it's just not natural to do that. So, you know, that's where your quality of calling comes in and stuff. But I'm not trying to do that. I'm only trying to call them to the hang-up spot. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, let's let's talk about the hang-up spot. Okay. I, I understand that uh, completely, but uh, why don't you elaborate? So let's let's start off with how do we actually go from a location bugle to killing this bull, right? right? Okay. So I would start my situation with a location bugle, right? That you already, that you heard high frequency ringing tone bull bugles back. And you're going to be making these calls from where? From the highest points that I can, okay. right? Just to, and that's just to cover ground. Right. And so I make that location bugle bull bugles back and I'm like, okay, I got got one to bugle. If I need to, I need to wait for daylight, right? So I wait for daylight. I'm going to get closer to that bull. I'm going to try not to get closer than 300 yards, depending on the terrain that you're in. If you're in really open country, you might want to be farther than that. If you're in tight Roosevelt country, that might be 200 yards. But the distance is not for the bull. The distance is for the cows because I'm going to get closer to this bull and I'm going to do a relocation cow call, which is nothing more than just some simple cow mews, right? It would sound something like this. So that's going to make that bull bugle. And he's going to bugle because now he knows there's a cow there. So I've done this location bugle. I've been, I'm up on top of the ridge. The bull bugles back. I'm moving closer to him. I'm trying to stay out of that 300-yard ring. I'm going to do a relocation cow call. Unless I can see him. If I can see him, I'm not going to make any more noise, right? Right. But if I can't see him, which is normal for the Roosevelt Woods, he's down in that timber patch or whatever, 
I'm going to try to relocate him just to reaffirm. If I bugled in that, I would just be another bull coming down to get his cows. Number one, he's got no reason to bugle back to me. And number two, I mean, I'm just coming to get his cows, so he's going to take those cows and scoot. But I want to give him a reason to bugle back to me. So I'm going to get closer, 300 yards, say, let's say, and I'm going to do that, those, just a series of cow mews, right? You don't have to get all crazy with it, just a series of cow mews. He's going to bugle back, and he's going to bugle back with a very short, raspy bugle, and that's that bull calling cow's bugle. He's trying to now call me in, but my purpose for that was just to get his location again, to really pinpoint him. So he bugles back to me now after this relocation cow call, and he's trying to find where I'm at. He's trying to call me in. Now is when you give him the silent treatment. So now you're just going to be quiet. The next time that bull bugles, after you've given him the silent treatment, he's either he's closer to you or he's in the same spot. If he's closer to you, he does not have cows because it's very, very rare to actually cow call a bull out of a herd. Yeah, right? I mean, he's already got what right. he wants. Right, he's got what he wants, right? So he's going to bugle back to you after the silent treatment, and that's how you're going to tell if he's got cows or not. If he's closer to you, he does not have cows. Now we got to set things up. So if he doesn't have cows, he's more than likely a lesser bull, a satellite bull. Right. And depending on where you are, a satellite bull might be a monster still. True. Right? So uh, if you don't know and you plan on, okay, I'm going to call this bull in, you got to set up for the hang-up spots. And I, I'm not opposed to shooting satellite bulls. Yeah, so. right, right. So... The fundamental truth that you have to understand is that the bull will stop as soon as he can see the calling location, not the shooting location. But unfortunately, most people set it up if they've got a caller and a shooter, they set the shooter first, and then they fall back. I always set the calling location first because that's going to set your hang-up spots. Okay, explain that. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to call from this bush right here, okay? okay. I, I'm, I'm standing right here. And before I make those cow sounds, now I have a bull that has moved closer to me, so I'm like, oh, he doesn't have cows, so we're going to cow call this bull in, knowing that he's going to stop as soon as he can see where that cow should be. So I'm going to call from this specific bush right here. I'm going to look out in front of me from where that bull's coming from. Where specifically is he going to be able to see me? That's where he's going to stop. That is the hang-up spot. So instead of setting the shooter first, you set the caller first. Then you can identify those hang-up spots. Then you move forward or have the shooter move forward past the hang-up spot. Don't set up to shoot them at the hang-up spot because as soon as they get to that hang-up spot, they are on radar mode. Right. But while they're en route to it, they're clueless. They don't. They know exactly where they're going to stop. So you're right? set, you're setting up a, a a good old ambush. Absolutely right. Yeah. But you know the beautiful thing about that ambush is you know exactly where he's going to stop. Right. And it's not like they don't stop there. They do. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 100 percent. Right. So I get my shooter on the elk side of the hang-up spot. And that hang-up spot is where they can see. Yes. The calling, where the callings come. They, they pinpointed exactly, and they're looking at that bush. Yep. And it's got to be, it's not that, you know, a bull is not going to actually have to see that, that spot. It's got to be a terrain feature, 
right? It can't be, well, I'm more hidden in this bush, so he's going to come closer to this bush and try to look in the bush. No, no. that's not how it, no. He's just going to get to where he can see that location, and then he's going to stop, and he's going to bugle to try to call me out of right. that little timber patch, right? And if he heard cows, he's thinking there's going to be cows lingering within that area. Sure. So just use a terrain feature. It might be around a hill. It might be over a hill, whatever it is. You know, when you really start to look at hang-up spots, you'll see that little hummock, right? Right. That's in the middle of that timber patch or whatever. It's not behind a tree. No. Yeah. No. Elk don't hide behind trees. Right. He must, the first cow call that you do to him after you've set this up, he's got to look in your direction and see nothing, right? Right. So he's either looking at hillside from, you know, vertically or horizontally around a corner in a hill or whatever, but he's got to be able to see nothing. He has to go to that spot to be able to see you, okay? That's how you set it up. And the cool thing about bulls is they usually do not start their wind arc until after the hang-up spot. Okay, I was going to get into that, so yeah. So you're sending your shooter forward and then getting on whatever the downwind side of that hang-up spot is going to be. You know, he's that bull is going to come straight to that. He's got no reason to wind arc if he's if he knows where he's going to stop and look, right? Yeah, he's not going to start circling. He'll only do that wind arc after the suspicion starts. Right. So, I mean, as soon as he gets that hang spot, the head comes up, the ears go forward, and I'm on radar mode. Well, I'm not seeing where she's at. I'll bugle. So the bull will bugle, and then if he still doesn't see what he needs to see, that's when he starts the wind arc. Right? So now he's going to circle. And what bugle are you giving him at that point? I'm not bugling at all. The okay. bull will bugle. The bull bugles. Yeah. So okay. the bull will bugle again to try to call me out of right. wherever it was. Right. Like, hey, he's where He's locating. Are you? Yeah. He's doing the bull calling cows bugle usually, right? Right, right. So, and, you know, if a bull gets to a hang-up spot. Because he's coming for the cows. So yeah. So he wants to call them over. Right. So if a bull gets to a hang-up spot, he should already be shot. Right. That is the essence of Game cow over. calling in bulls, right? Right. So... That's if the bull, when he bugles after that relocation cow call, that's the one that's coming toward you. The one that bugles and he's in the same spot, he's a herd bull. And you're not going to give him more cow calls after he bugles. You're still playing the silent treatment. Right. I'm just giving him the silent treatment. I if if he's not if he doesn't bugle again, then what is it? What would you think? If he doesn't bugle again, I would say he's got cows. Right. Right. Because right. a bull that doesn't have cows is going to keep bugling as he's moving toward you. Right. So now if you get this bull that that uh, doesn't move, he's a herd bull. So we're going to use a very specific technique on him. We're going to use the same technique that that satellite bull came in and did. We're going to go in there, get tight on his cows, and then do the bull calling cows bugle. You know, it's called different things. Uh, Elk Nut calls it the advertising bugle, I believe, or a herding bugle. Uh, it's just the bull talking to the cows, and it's a very specific sound, and most people miss it because, you know, they're just elated that they got a bull to bugle back to them, right? Or, or some uh, some of these guys are doing it on accident. Right. And, and, the and they don't even realize. Right, the spike bugle. Well, I got in close to that bull, and I did a spike bugle, and right. he thought that I was such a small bull that he's going to come and come right. and kill me, but... It doesn't matter how big of a bull you are if you threaten his ladies. Once you realize what this uh, bull calling cow's bugle is and you're watching, 
you know, a DVD on some hunting film and they're calling an elk. You'll hear it uh, all the you'll time. You'll hear it all the time. Yep. And you'll, you will expect that behavior mm-hmm. every, every single time. Right. Um, I actually was out in the woods, uh, uh, working, doing uh-huh. some salmon habitat work. Uh-huh. And there was a big herd, um, for Roosevelt, it was a big herd. There was about 16 of them in this oh, clear yeah. cut. Yeah. It was in the evening. This was mm-hmm. just two or three weeks ago. Mm. And um, in the group, there was uh, a couple spikes. They're in the velvet, but mm-hmm. it lo- just, just looked like a couple spikes and a couple branch bulls mm-hmm. and a bunch of cows and calves, probably immature bulls. And I, we, me and my boss got out of the truck, and I had an elk call with me because I'm always uh, experimenting in, in, right. uh, year-round. Right. And this is an area that I'm not going to get a hunt, hunt in anyways. Mm-hmm. So I threw a couple cow sounds, and the herd the herd cow, she lead cow, she came and she rounded everybody up and she's like, "Let's go. This is not. This right. does not sound good." Right. And they started to move off. They were about a hundred, and they got to about I don't know one forty, and uh, I, I give them a nice deep bark, mm-hmm. stop the herd, mm-hmm. and they started to mill around, looking around, and then I just went and gave them the bulls calling cow bugle, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm telling you what, those young bulls just started flying towards me Mm. they just come running in (laughs) charging uh and that cow she was trying to do everything to stop it from happening (laughs) and all the other cows were looking around and the spikes were within 30 yards of the pickup truck they and they could see the truck at this point and they can see us and we're standing there and they looked so confused and Mm -hmm. they went to turn to go away and i gave it to them again and you know they just seem so confused, and the other one he gave me BCC back. And, oh, really? And uh, here we are. It's uh, I think it was April. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it just does, does, doesn't seem to matter. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. You know, and it doesn't matter. And, and the analogy that I always use is the bar fight scene, right? Right. So you know, if you go into a bar, if you want to get in a fight, and essentially that's what we're doing with these bull elk, right? We want them to come towards us and be in a rage and all this stuff. Well put that in human terms if you wanted to get in a fight 100% of a time 100% of the time you would not go to the doorway of the bar and challenge every male in there you wouldn't go in there hey who wants some right right you would go in there and you pick any lady that's with a man and you speak inappropriately to her and you will find yourself in a fight no matter how big you are no matter how tough this guy is right. or what or how old Absolutely. this person is you will find yourself in a fight no matter what country you're in no matter what language you speak right, right. it's i could go to any country and do, and do that same thing and i'm going to find myself in a fight right so that's just how it works you know so i'm going to get close once that bull bugles and he's in the same spot i know i'm dealing with a herd bull my only goal now is to hunt his cows Right. So I'm just going to get as close as I can to those cows. I've done it as close as 10 yards and as far as 120 yards. So that's probably why it works on the lesser bulls year-round because the herd bull, he he's educated and he yeah. doesn't need the cows right now and he knows right. when he needs them. Sure. But those lesser bulls, uh, they're like, we've got cows. It may be winter, but we've got them. <laughs> right. And uh, as soon as uh, someone's speaking to them, right. uh, they want to come in and, and figure out what's going on. Right, right, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, this uh, – the bull calling cow's bugle is short, raspy, no chuckles. And that no chuckles thing is the key to success that I have found. And in speaking of keys to success, there's a pattern of success. If you talk to, you know, all the, the great out callers, uh, you know, Jason Phelps, Glenn Berry, 
uh, Corey Jacobson. There's a, a yeah. plethora of really good elk callers out there. Shannon Mobs from Angry Spike. Spike. Yeah, they all we all do it the same way. We talk about it a little bit differently, but it's essentially the same thing. We go in tight on these cows, and some people call it a scream. Some people call it herding bugle, an advertising bugle, a bull calling cows bugle. It's a bugle specifically with no chuckles. Because if you chuckle, that is you standing at the doorway of the bar and challenging all the males. Your odds decrease significantly. Right, a lot of them are like, oh, this guy's a nut job, whatever. Right. Uh, uh, so and then they don't come in. They don't. You're not giving them a reason to be enraged. Right. But if you speak specifically to the women, and that is a bugle with no chuckles. Right. Uh, Paul Medell calls it uh, creating a threat to the herd. Sure. Right. So you do that, and that is, you know, Paul Medell is another phenomenal elk, very smart yeah. guy. Chris Rowe, very smart yeah. people yeah. on what elk are actually saying. And it all comes down to about the same thing. Uh, Chris Rowe, he was like, yeah, you know, I think Joel's onto something with this. Uh, I've been using it, but I didn't think of the context that I was using it in. Yeah, and it's just, you know, every time I see a bull amongst cows, he is bugling, but he's not chuckling. It's only right. when he's talking to another bull does he chuckle. And it's a mistake that a lot of elk hunters make because chuckles are, they sound so oh, cool. Oh, so cool to right? do chuckles. So right? And if you're, you know, if you're really good at it, you're like, oh, oh my God, that sounds so, so good. good. How could they not? come in right yeah, and a lot of guys can't do them so you're thinking i got these guys one up i'm a chuckler right i'm gonna give them chuckles yeah and i've noticed uh in watching hunting films that uh yeah the chuckles is what blows it for these guys every time and then when they decide to not use them they show that they throw yeah. that short scream in. and they they're n maybe not realizing exactly what the difference was in this call in why did this bull come in but in the same exact scenario that bull didn't and sometimes what happens, I've experienced, uh, I, you had to go home early, and I went out uh, an evening with uh, Seth Anderson, mm -hmm. your uh, hunting partner, mm -hmm. and we got on a herd that we were able to spot first. Mm -hmm. uh, we looked across this clear cut there in this reap rod, and right. we pushed down through the brush, crossed the creek, and we ran right into the cows, mm -hmm. and uh, we gave him uh, the bulls calling cow bugle, and it, it brought the cows in like hot and heavy. Mm -hmm. They just came right into our lap. Mm -hmm. So it, it definitely, uh, you're calling the cows, and if they feel the bull they're, they're with is lesser, right. they're coming. Well, and it was, uh, you know, that was very early in the season, it was, right? right, so a couple days in. When you're dealing with big herd bulls, these big herd bulls, they know when those cows are going to come into estrus. Yeah, so you that, know? that six so point heat. He's like, whatever, you can have them for now. Yeah, that's that was his attitude. Right, and, you know, once you get, and speaking of dates, you know, I always try to encompass the 12th in my hunt somewhere because okay. that's the national average day for the first estrus cycle of a cow elk. Okay, September right? 12th. So I, I've never had it not going crazy by the 8th. So my hunts, if I've got a very specific hunt I'm doing, the 8th to the 15th are my key days because then those cows, there is a major possibility that, that there is going to be a cow in estrus. Yeah. And once there's a cow in estrus in an entire area, once that scent yeah. gets in the air... Man, it is on. And then the bull calling cows yep. bugle is just phenomenal. We're hunting was like the end of August, yeah. being a September, so it just it, right. it just hadn't the switch hadn't clicked yet, and right. it, it's a tough time to call elk. Right, and you know that. And then we left for Wyoming, and then um, Seth killed that big three fifty bull on the 
fifth, I think it was. Right. And uh, that bull was just starting into it, but he fell to the bull calling cow's bugle like, you know, like hook, line, and sinker. Oh yeah. my gosh, it was. Yeah, you phenomenal. filmed that on your phone. Oh, it was awesome. It was yeah. super awesome. Yeah, that's on the that's on the YouTube channel there. So, um, but that's it, man. I mean, this, and I'll do this sound for you, but it's just that, and we we've all been in that situation. You know, I as a police officer, I get to see bar fights all the time. Right. Right. I get to. Well, I, I have to, I guess. And, you know, I've learned a lot from these folks at the bar. I, I <laughs> you know, you they're, they're always over a woman. It's always, oh, he said something to my lady or whatever, you know. 100% so I'm like, of the time, huh? I'm like, yeah, well, we're just mammals. So why don't I start using this in my elk calling? So then I had to figure out what is the sound? What is that inappropriate talk to the female, right? And that's when I listened to Paul Metal. Uh, he called it at that point the bull calling cow's bugle in that one Sounds by the Elk CD that yeah, he's I've got. got that. And uh, I listened very specifically to those bulls when he's doing that clip and he puts all the, those all together and they're not chuckling. No. Nope. And that's when I went, huh, they're not chuckling. Right. Let's do this, right? So I remember in New Mexico uh, that year, I think the first time I did it was like 2011. And. Uh, Man, I got out there, I saw a bull run a run a satellite bull off, and I went, okay, he's ready to go. I knew he had 16 cows with him. We slide in there on his cows, couldn't even see his cows. I just knew we were within that distance from him. We were probably 80 yards from him. I hit that bull calling cow's bugle. Luckily for me, on that specific situation, the first bugle I did, because I hadn't totally figured it out yet, the first bugle I did was no chuckles. And that bull did a what I call a horse whinny bugle. I mean, it was just shriek sound. And uh, then I bugled at him again. And the second time I bugled, I had chuckles in there, which were completely unnecessary. And lucky for me, in that specific situation, it didn't blow it, right? Right. But then I'm, you know, and I watched that footage now. I'm like, oh, I was lucky on that one. But now I don't chuckle at all when I'm doing the bull calling cows bugle. So. Folks, this is what I what I just love about uh, Joel Turner and Iron Mind Hunting, is he 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 uses science, uh, he researches it out, and he simplifies it for everybody. He, you some people want to make it super complex, <laughs> and you've got all these sounds you've got to learn. E- even in the shooting, um, and we'll get into that later. Yeah. It, it, there's no reason to make it complicated. Uh, you get it simplified, yeah. and you come up with these systems, and it, it's, it's there's awesome. A, you know, there's a very specific science, but you have to be looking for it. You know, it's it's not just that you got to bull the bugle back. What did he say? Right. And what are you going to say back? Yeah, I mean, you're highly capable of making yourself sound like 50 elk right. and 10 bulls, but um, that's, that's uh, not always what works. Right, right. So... That bull calling cow's bugle would sound something like this. Okay, do us, do us another one. Short and sweet. Right, so usually when I hear bulls do it, and it does not have to be that. I don't want to have the misconception that it has to be that specifically, but this is the pattern of success that I that I'm getting from the bulls. It goes from low to high, just like a normal bugle. But as soon as you hit the high tone, you rasp it out. You know, and it's not you're not toning it out. It doesn't go right. It and it's done. So 
Can you give us some uh, some pointers on making that sound? So you know, if you, it just depends on what call system you're using. I I just did that with a mouth read. So the rasping it out is just a lip sputter, right? It's called a lip ball in the in the industry, I guess. Elk aren't using their lips, but to get that rasp, we would uh, you know sputter our lips through the call through the tube, right? And uh, but you don't have to do that. You can use your voice. Whatever you can do with whatever system you're using, just keep it short and no chuckles. Right. That's the key, right? You don't have to be a world champion elk caller to do this. Just short and no chuckles. And know when to do this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once you've got set up on these cows, I try to get within 50 yards. Again, I've done it as far as 120 and as close as 10. I mean, it works. I found even if the cows see you, like yeah, absolutely. You, you run into them, you're like, ah, oh, it's I just got busted by the cows. Mm-hmm. No, it's time to give it to them. Absolutely. So you hit them with that, and even if the cows blow out of there, right, right, that bull thinks that you've come in there, so he's going to lose his marbles. Yeah, right? absolutely. And the beauty of this setup, you know, so I would get try to get within 50 yards of these cows. I get my arrow knocked. I get my feet set. I got my you know my background, whatever I'm doing. And then I give them the sound. And you've got to be ready. It's not that the bull's going to run in, but he's going to walk in very slowly, and he's going to be very alert. But the beautiful thing about it is think about how, like, if I was talking very inappropriately to your wife, we're in a parking lot, we're 100 yards apart, right? As soon as you start walking towards me, you're not going to stop. Right. You're not going to stop until even... I've made the conscious decision to uh, confront you, so I'm coming. Right, and, you know, if you've ever watched a bar fight where one person says something inappropriate to the lady, the other person, what's he do? What's he start with? He starts with sound, right? So he's going to yell back at this guy, right? Yeah, and it's usually, so when that bull responds, nine times out of ten, it's a very distinct challenge bugle. It's going to have a big chuckle chain on the end of it because that's a bull-to-bull communication. He's challenging. Just like a human male would yell at you if you were talking to his wife. He would yell at you, right? Yeah, he's saying, uh, you know, I've got ladies. Yeah. And uh, you better back it up. Right. <laughs> so, But if you've ever watched human beings, it's interesting because let's say uh, this guy's talking to the female. The other guy yells back at this guy, right? And then... He starts towards him, and the other guy runs away. That guy doesn't then stop walking. He walks right to where the guy was last standing. You ever seen that? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. He comes all the way to where that, he knows where the guy was standing. He comes all the way to where that person was standing and looks for him, right? Right, right. So that's the beautiful thing about this is, you know, once you start across the parking lot, once this bull starts my way, there's no stopping. And you, you know, know, and you can set yourself up for that ambush. You yeah, know how this is going to go down. And he doesn't, you know, you just stand your ground. You don't need to bugle again. Just let him hunt you. And they do. They come in. They're looking side to side. They're all braced up like a bull moose, and they're kind of doing that, that strut walk in. It's very slow, very methodical. They are trying to display to get you to go away. They have no option other than to remove you from the area. So when using the strategy by when you're hunting by yourself, mm-hmm. um, I was hunting Eastern Oregon last year, and I gave this bull that didn't have cows, mm-hmm. uh, good bull. Mm-hmm. I gave him it to uh, the BCC. 
he came in, I mean, straight on. I He just came, like you said, mm-hmm. he didn't run, mm-hmm. but he came stomping straight to me. And unfortunately, I did not move. I didn't do anything mm-hmm. before this happened. And I ended up uh, with a bull at five or six feet from me, mm-hmm. frontal. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had me pinned. I mean, he was mm-hmm. staring at me. Mm-hmm. And the the moment I thought, oh, I'll just put one in his chest. Mm-hmm. And I even put pressure on the string. Mm-hmm. You know, he was gone. Right. So there's got to be something to learn from that. When you're when you're doing this by yourself, you must do this and, and move off to the side. I or don't move in you don't. this. No, I don't. Because so where did I go wrong in that setup? You didn't go wrong. It's just a matter of knowing when to draw your bow, right? But if he's coming and he can see you the whole way, you can't draw your bow, right? Right. So, so I, I wasn't patient enough. So if you know that's happening, right, these bulls are going to come right for you. The only reason they stop is if they find a tree to rake. If they find a tree to rake between their cows and you, they will rake it. They're, they're I think the only reason this bull stopped is I was hiding in front of a big tree. Sure. So he couldn't walk through the tree. Right. So he stopped there with me right in front of yeah, him. And he probably saw something that wasn't quite right. But you got to know how to handle that situation. So this bull's coming at you, and he's coming right for you. And you're like, man, I have no chance whatsoever to draw my bow. Just stand your ground, right? Just stand there. Get your face behind your limb. Right? Which it was. So you're only looking at him with one eye and just be patient. You are waiting for if you if you can't take that frontal shot, which I actually like the frontal shot because I'm shooting, you know, Valkyrie Jaggers and I am good to go with twenty eight percent FOC. My penetration's yeah. phenomenal. I am okay so, yeah, with shooting. That I'm looking shot. at this hindsight and if I would have just given myself another minute, mm-hmm. he can't walk through the tree, so he was gonna turn sure. and go around the tree. Uh, or turned, and then I was going to get my opportunity. Sure. So I've I've had that specific thing happen before, several times. I've actually killed five bulls that have done that with my stick bow. So he's coming straight for me, and he stops at very close distance. You know, maybe ten feet, maybe ten yards, whatever it is. When he finally sees that thing that's not quite right, right? Right. So, and you're not at full draw. You have to, you know. If he's just doing the stare down, if you're worried about wind, you got to make something happen. If, yeah. you, if you know you've got really good wind in your face, then I would just wait it out. You're waiting for a very specific thing to happen. If you're worried about wind, then you got to make something happen. So I actually move, right? So I, I mean, I make a movement with my body. So I've got my bow held in front of me, limb is in front of me. That bull is. Let's say he's five yards away and he's looking right at me, right? And you know he's going to blow out of there and you want him to blow out of there because what's going to happen is when as soon as he makes the move to turn, you're not going to shoot him during the whirl. I don't care who you no. are. Elk have an ability to take their head and come right out their butt with it and just turn around without you ever seeing their chest, it's, right? It's amazing. Right? How they- so you simply... Stand your ground. You wait for the whirl. As soon as he whirls, don't draw during the whirl where he can see it, right? Let him get all the way turned around. So you're just moving the tip of your bow a little you can, something. You, can move, a little you can move your bow. I sometimes rock my body, right? It's a little subtle movement to and move. And you'll see their change, right? They'll usually, their eyes will come open farther and they'll bring their head back slightly they're like whoa right what is what that's different right? okay so in, so in my situation my movement was was too dramatic it was trying to get my bow back right and he blew out but right. if i would have just given him a little something to, yep. to back him off me a little you, bit you want him to whirl 
right? Right. It's going to be the same movement, but you don't want him to see this big, this big draw. So as soon as he whirls, as soon as his head gets around, hit him with the yo, right? Yeah. That's when I yo, I stop him just with my voice, not with a call or anything like that. No call, no tube. I've got my thumb on the, or your fingers, thumb on the string, right? Yo, give him the yo. As soon as he whirls, he's gonna stop. He's gonna stop. And bull elk cannot look over their rump like cow elk can. Right. They have their necks are too big to do that. They have to turn their body to look back at you. This is good stuff. And when they turn their body, it's quartered away. And it's just, you know, last rib to the far shoulder yeah. and it's done, right? Yeah. So I've killed five bulls doing that specific technique. They're just going to give you the big quartering. Right. The away. bull calling cow's bugle, he's coming right for me, and I'm just standing my ground. They get really close. They stop when they see you. You know, I've actually been at full draw and not had a shot at their chest front on and then had to move while I'm at full draw, just rock my body slightly. And, uh, you know, as soon as they whirl, hit them with the yo. But if you don't ever put the yo, kind of going off subject but on subject, if you never practice the yo in your shot, it will blow your shot sequence apart because you'll kind of go into autopilot, right? So as soon as you make that yo, you got to understand it's going to stop. Right? right. But now your bow shot doesn't change physically. You have to make sure it doesn't change mentally. Yeah, when we shot that elk course uh, uh, before season mm-hmm. up in Lakeside, right. you had me do that several times. Right. Uh and it, you know, I I didn't uh, I didn't use, I didn't keep that uh, tool in my pocket. And, right. It, uh, it's it's different. So if you don't practice the stop sound within your shot sequence, if you have a fragile shot sequence to start with, it will literally blow you apart. Because I mean, think about that. If you've got you're at full draw, and then you do this stop sound the bull actually stops, your mind's like, oh, my God, it stopped. It's happening now. Ready, go. What pin was I supposed to have on there? What sight picture with my stick bow was I supposed to have, right? How far is it? I don't know, right? Let's just shoot this thing. So you go into this, you know, fast drive, and that's where people miss at very close distances. So it's about making decisions in your shot after the stop sound. Expect that when you make that sound, he's going to stop. They do every time. So, you know, it's just waiting for that specific moment. You know he's going to blow out. Okay, I'm cool with that. I'm just waiting for that. As soon as he turns his body away enough, he's not going to see you draw your bow, yo, hit him it, with that yo. It's 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 kind of um, almost a, bar, a low bark. Yeah, it is a bark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, the bark seems to stop them every time. It does. It stops them right in their tracks. So it's, you know, that. I've, u- I've utilized the bark still hunting. Mm-hmm. Had some elk coming right towards me. Mm-hmm. They were just meandering, not calling. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm to still hunting, and they run into me, and they're not sure what that is, and they turn to, to you know, do their little circle to mm-hmm. figure out what it is. I give them the bark, and they just put the brakes on and mm-hmm. stop and turn and. It's amazing. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's, you know, I learned that from elk nut as well. Me, you me know, too. I was always trying to cow call to stop them. Right. And, you know, elk nut talks about it as, uh, you know, you're asking them to do something. They're asking them to identify themselves and it, man, it stops them mid stride. It's, it's fantastic. So use that on the whirl when you've called this bull in and you can't get the shot. You know, I've had them a lot of times 
when I'm doing the BCC come in and they're, because they're hunting me, at some point I'm getting that broadside shot as well. I've had know? them hunt me and bark and move and bark like they hear we're cow calling mm. and that bull's like, hey, stop. Uh, you know, I'm coming up there. I want to have a look at what's <laughs> going on up here right. again. And they're coming in giving this bark, mm -hmm. trying to keep the herd from moving up the hill, I think, is what's going on. It's Right, right. You know, so what we just talked about is a very specific strategy that I don't see a lot of people employ for some reason, right? Yeah. I mean, what I hear in the elk woods is people will bugle, a bull bugle back. They get a little closer. They'll bugle again. Bull bugles back. They'll get a little closer. They'll bugle again. Bull bugles back, right? But now that bull's a little bit farther away. Right. He has now taken his he's cows and he's scooted. Up. Or if that's not working, they'll bugle, bull bugle back. They get closer, they cow call, right? Right. Bull bugle back. They're thinking, okay, I'm getting closer. They get closer. As soon as they get within that ring of like 100 yards and they cow call, the cows are like, mm-mm. They don't like it. You are not going to play with that well, hussy over there in the bushes. Yeah, it's like what women, you know, want to hang out with yeah. other women. Yeah. Uh, they've got their sisters and nieces yeah. and daughters, and they're not looking to uh, hook up with some other gals. No. And, and, they're and share not. their men. Yeah, especially ones that want to share their man. Yeah. You know, that's not that's not how nature works. Absolutely but not. We see that all the time in the elk woods. I'm like, man, it was why like are I you doing that? When I cow called those elk in the clear cut the other day, right away, they were. she was like, oh, no, we don't want to hang out with any other cows. Right. Yeah. Uh, but once those young bulls thought there was a... A, a bull trying to contain some cows up on the hill. Mm -hmm. They were like, this is interesting. Yeah, right, right, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. you know, location bugle, get closer, not too close, 300 yards. Relocation cow call, he's going to bugle back. Now you give him the silent treatment. The next bugle is going to tell you the world, whether he has cows or not. Then just get, if he's if he's coming to that, set up the calling location, know your hang-up spots, if you're by yourself, do your cow sequence and then move yourself, right? Get past that hang-up spot. So we're, we're using a location bugle mm -hmm. and then bulls cow and cow bugle. I mean, maybe some cow calls. Maybe some cow calls just to relocate. Relocate, it. but otherwise that's it. And so when, we, when I was hunting with you, even though it was early season, um, I could tell we, we were looking for that situation time in and time again time out like that's what we were looking for mm -hmm. we're we're trying to set that set that stage up mm -hmm. um so how many times has this worked for you because i know it's worked a bunch so in the last five years i've called in 35 herd bulls to that one sound to that one setup like yep. that i mean i've called in lots of satellite bulls as well but it's mostly been i just you know herd bulls are so much easier to call in than satellite bulls you know you're not dealing with hang-up spots or any of that stuff I just find the one that's got the ladies. I go in there and I talk very inappropriately to those ladies, and he comes a running. Yeah, he's the guy that wants to hold them, so yeah, uh, he's going to protect them. Absolutely. That's uh, that is some good stuff. I I uh, I've I've come really close to making it work for me. And yeah. So give us a little one of those. Uh, give us a little elk story where it it worked hook line and sinker for you. So uh, after we left you, we went to Wyoming, and second day. Third day in, uh, I had killed my bull. Next day, location bugle in an area that we'd never been to before on a main road. I'm looking at a, we're in a burn. I'm thinking there should be elk in this burn, right? There's good, good grub in there. So we stop at the edge of the main. I mean, it's like a gravel highway. I walk 100 yards off the road. I send a location bugle out, bull bugles back to me. 
He's across a little river. Right? There's a, there's other people elk hunting in this area, right? You're yeah. on public mm-hmm. ground. Yeah. So uh, bull bugles back to me. We cross the river, get closer to him, relocation cow call instantly. What, to, what is what is the relocation cow So just like? just those cow mews, right? So relocation cow call, he bugles back to me, right? So now we get the wind right, we start moving in on his cows. We get to the point where we can actually see him. He's a great big bull. He's got a bunch of cows, and he's start, he, you can see him up there lip curling. He's working these cows, right? So I know he's, he's a big herd bull, right? He's prime for, prime for the picking. So we got as close to the cows as we could because his burn was really open. So we just set up. I had Seth and Tyler in front of me, and as soon as one of those cows gets within 120, he just looks back at me, gives me the nod, because we've done this so many times, right? He gives me the nod, I hit the bull calling cows bugle, and I can see the bull when I do it. And he's about 200 yards away from me. The cows are 120. So he just stiffens up, and here he comes, walking over real slow. He got in this little dip, and he found another cow that was between us. So he starts messing around with this other cow. And when he's when he stops and messes with that cow, I hit him with it again, right? Think about this. If if that bull stops, if you if you were walking across the parking lot to me, and that bull or or if you see a shiny new trash can in the parking lot, right? And you're going to try to display, be a big tough guy, right? You're going to kick the crap out of that trash can. Well, while you're kicking the trash can, if I talk to your woman again, you're going to lose your mind. Right? Right. So the same thing with this bull. He stopped to mess around with this cow about, I don't know, 100 yards from us. So when he did that, I hit him with it again. And that was it. He just walks right over. The bull comes into us and starts raking a tree 20 yards from Seth. And once he only spends a few seconds on that tree, and then he walks right towards Seth and he shoots him at 14 yards. And then the two days later, I did the same thing for Tyler. So... It was, uh, it's, it's, when you get the situation right, it's 100%. And I know that's a huge claim, but why wouldn't it? Right. Why wouldn't it work? So, so, so tell me uh, another story where you were hunting by yourself and you make this happen. Okay. So 2012, Colorado. I had been hunting in the back country on a bivy hunt for, I think I was five days in there. I came came out to stay at my buddy's cabin and resupply before I went back in. And I thought, well, I'll just hunt at the hunt at the cabin this, this evening. So went out in the evening, location bugle, bull bugles back to me. And this, the wind was howling at the time, and I couldn't, I didn't know exactly where he was going for or coming from. So what I would do is I would bugle, and then I would spin 360 very slowly because he'd bugle every time. Because I was far enough away from him to not be a threat. As long as I was doing that that uh, location bugle, he didn't have any need to, you know, he had a need to tell me that he was over there and not to come over there. That's the beautiful thing about that high-frequency bugle. So I had to bugle, and then I would have to spin my body 360 to really get that. So I finally figured out where he was. I get in closer to him. I actually got almost too close to him because I ran into a cow. So I just let her feed back up to him, and he bugled another time up on the hill. So I got set. I know I was within 100 yards of those cows. 
I couldn't get any closer to him the way the benches were. Big aspen grove. So I got my arrow on my longbow, got my feet set, got ready to go, hit him with the bull calling cow's bugle. The bull walks out to the edge of the rim and screams his brains out. I mean, he had a hell of a bugle on him, right? So he bugles, chuckles, all the stuff. And he hangs up up there and he goes back to his cows. Well, when he went back to his cows, I just hit him with it again. And you could see that he was raking a tree. on. I could see the top of this tree just going back and forth. So he went back to his cows, which was only 20 yards back from the bench, and he was raking this tree. So I hit him with it again, and the rest is history. So he comes down, comes down the hill, the same slow walk that he always does, that they always do, right? Comes right down the hill, and I shoot him at 30 yards with my longbow. So it's uh, it has happened so many times. It's that it can't just be a coincidence. Yeah, that's so, that is uh, good stuff. Yeah. So is there is there a time where you do use chuckles? Uh, I noticed when we were hunting together, and it was slow go. And we would do just some setups for cold calling mm-hmm. um, th- that you would utilize that. I mean, is it, 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 you're just trying to muster anything up at that point. So usually if I'm doing cold calling, I'm trying to get, you got to be careful with cold calling. If you're just cold calling, you don't know where the bull's coming from. So it's really difficult to set up wind. It's difficult to set up hang up spots and all these things. So what I want that bull to do first is I want him to bugle, Right. The best way if you, in cold calling, if you don't know where the bull's at, instead of just cow calling, you want this bull to bugle, right? And you don't know if he's got cows or not. So what I would do in those cold calling situations is I would do an estrus cow call first just to set the scene, and then I would do the sounds of a bull tending a cow. Okay, can we, can we hear, so th- hear that? It would start with estrus cow calls. So kind of drawn out, more whiny, right? Sometimes they double it with a right? So <clears throat> that, again, sets the scene. A bull may or may not bugle to that, but what he will always bugle to is if that cow is being pursued by another bull. That brings in satellite bulls, and it makes herd bulls bugle. I don't know if it's jealousy or what. So I would set it up again with that estrus cow call, and then if I did not get a bugle to that, I would set up, I would do tending bugles and glunking. That's the sounds of a bull actually tending an estrus cow. That would sound something like this. So that, those tending bugles, usually as soon as you hit the tending bugles, that's when that bull's going to bugle back to you. Because you're down there getting some, and he's not, right? right? And they will bugle to that over and over and over again. If it's a herd bull, he won't necessarily come to it, but he's got no reason to go away from it. What you have to remember in your elk calling is the bull should never be the subject of your calling, unless you're cow calling, right? But if you're doing bugling stuff, if you've got any bugles going on in your situation, the bull should never be the subject of it. I mean, if you're doing the tending bugles, 
He's not the subject of your calling. That bull's not doing tending bugles to call him in. That bull's doing tending bugles for this estrus cow. Right. right? The bull calling cow's bugle. I'm not talking to him. Yeah, you're I'm only talking to his ladies. Ladies, you're painting the picture. Right. When the bull is not the subject of the calling, he's much more free to bugle. Right. right? And when you are calling him out, that's when you get the circling, right. the hang-ups. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, they will bugle to that. When you do that breeding scene, they'll bugle over and over and over to it. And if he's not coming in, he's probably got cows. So, therefore, slip Bulls in, slip in tight bugle. on those cows and do the BCC. And, you know, one of the beautiful things about that is if you've got two people, one person stays back and keeps that breeding scene going. And, I mean, you're busting logs and sticks and rolling rocks and doing everything that elk do when they're chasing each other, right? That bull's going to bugle over and over. Your shooter now slides in on those cows, and if you can get the shot on the bull that way, cool. If they can't, now they're in range for the BCC. So your shooter becomes a solo shooter caller. It's a beautiful thing. Man. So, does weather, I know you're talking the 12th is magic in September. Once you mm-hmm. get to this point, the estrus is starting to get into full swing, mm-hmm. or at least it's beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, does weather play a role, moon phase play a role? Can you speak to that a little bit? D- does that affect your uh, how you go about things versus hunting mornings, afternoons, nights, full moons? I hear this in elk talk a lot. People are talking about the moon, and they're talking about cold fronts and, and the heat. Can can you tell me what you think about all that stuff? So I don't hunt the moon phases too much. But, I mean, you you know that if there's a full moon out, those elk can, you know, they can see better at night. They don't have to bugle as much at night. Whereas if they can't see, if it's really dark, then they have to bugle more at night to keep them keep other bulls away and to advertise and do these location bugles. Hey, I'm over here. You stay over there. So on the darker nights, you tend to hear more night bugling because that's one of the senses that now has to come into play. I don't hunt the moon phases too much. Um, I mean, we're going hunting either which way. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) So it's, it's only a certain few days a year. It seems like, though, when you do have the full moon and and it is available, like, it makes things brighter. In some mm-hmm. pl- some ki- situations, the full moon means nothing if it's Roosevelt country and, mm-hmm. and everything's fogged. It's still really in. dark, yeah. Right. But uh, if, it, if it is a factor, I've noticed, uh, at least in eastern Oregon, mm-hmm. um, they're probably going to bed sooner and they're going to be more active during the day where a lot of hunters are like, oh, full moon, I don't want to go hunt that. Right. Uh, it seems to be... Really good all day long. Yeah, because they're up all night feeding because they can see, right? Right. And, you know, the predation is less at that at that time. So, you know, yeah, you see that afternoon movement maybe a little earlier on those days. Sure. So, but, you know, I'm really running on, on just what are they, what sounds are they making? You know, what's going on in the rut? So, on the coast uh, in Roosevelt country... You know, when we talk blacktail hunting, rain gets me excited. Right. Um, but, boy, with these elk. Man, I, d- I do not like elk hunting oh, in the rain. And it's just, just because they probably bugle just as much in the rain, but you can't hear them. Yeah. And, I, you know, that much noise in the woods, it's very difficult to hear. And if you do hear one, it's difficult to judge how far away they are. That was getting us big time. Yeah. It was, we weren't getting rained on per se. It was that thick coastal fog. Right. Remember all the trees dripping out of the trees, dripping out of the trees, yeah. and we couldn't hear anything. Yeah, it was like a downpour, and it wasn't even raining. Raining, yeah. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, so at, at that point, you just have to keep covering ground. Well, thank you so much, Joel, for oh, joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for taking me under your wing. Yeah. You know, giving me the opportunity to shoot with you and hunt with you. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm really lucky and fortunate to call you a friend. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview as much as I did with Joel Turner of Iron Mind Hunting. We recorded this episode in Yacht Washington at the Western States Rendezvous. It was a ton of fun catching up with Joel and talking elk hunting and elk calling. In part two to this interview, we get into controlled process shooting, buck fever, target panic, and my favorite, blacktail deer hunting. Tune in next week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Blueberry. Check me out on my website at tradquest.com. And always, shoot straight.